Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. On the show this week we're going to ask, was this tour to Sri Lanka, this one day tour, worth it with all the rain around and the truncated matches? Should England play football before a match after the injury to Johnny Bairstow? And later in the programme we're going to talk to Sam Billings both about football and also about his own career and what's happening to it, etc. But first, Simon, we should just look back at the the one day series and say, well, was it worth it? (laughs) That's a very good question. Um, Every single match affected by the weather. I would say that 11 years ago, England played out here at this time of year and the whole series was completed without much interruption. You never quite know, know, although we're in the monsoon season, you never quite know when it's going to rain. And we had a a spell in Candy, actually, where it didn't rain for three days because the time it did rain was when the cricket was played. So that was all sod's law, really. It's so difficult trying to fit all these games in, all these international teams. Sri Lanka have to go to Australia and New Zealand, so England sort of have to come here now. There's a test series to fit in as well. I mean, it's not easy. It's not ideal. It's not been, you know, by all means, a, a perfect tour. You know, England haven't played brilliantly, but they played well enough to win the series. And you know, if you win out here, it's always a you know a pretty good effort because they've you know they've very rarely won out here. The record out here is not very good. Uh, on balance, I suppose you just have to get on with it. I mean, what I, what I would say, of course, Simon, is you know, if you play in England, it's always the monsoon season potentially in England, isn't it? I mean, you play from <laughs> January to December. I mean, it could be a, it could be a monsoon or in, indeed rain at any time. The trouble is that the, the rain in Sri Lanka is so torrential that, that you know that you don't feel like you're going to be able to play for a week after some of the storms that, that you get. Whereas in England, I mean, the, the clearing up operations now, the technology in the grounds with the drainage and obviously the covering and the the, the whales and things like that that use the sponge moppers that that use that they use to to mop up the, the situation. They're so effective. Mm. I mean, I remember. Um, a river running down the back of the Lord's Pavilion 
in, in one lunch hour during a, a West Indies test match a few years ago. And, and you thought, well, we're not going to play for three days. And about 40 minutes after it stopped raining, we were back out there because the drainage of the water just runs straight through. So I think England is, is almost better catered for for these kind of inclement periods of, of weather. I mean, actually, last summer, we hardly lost any play, did we? Because, because it was such an amazing summer. It's still going on until the weekend. The, the weather here is... Better than practically anywhere at the moment. It's it's amazing. I'm campaigning actually for no cricket, no international cricket in October because, for one thing, how are players expected to get married? It's the only time of year when players can get married. And Owen Morgan's had to postpone his wedding. Liam, <laughs> Liam Plunkett's lost his spot for a, a few games because of his wedding. And the the, the year round nature of cricket now means. No chance for, for players to get to get married anymore or rebuild their relationships after the summer because they're off on tour a couple of weeks after the, the season's ended. Well, good luck with that one, uh, Yozza. Having a, <laughs> October as a blank month for international cricket. I mean, it's so, it's so crowded. There's all these T20 tournaments to to fit in as well. You know, the IPL, and so you have a window for getting married. You have a window for the IPL and a window <laughs> for getting married. You need to go Poor on holiday. You need to go on holiday for a, a couple of weeks and have a little break. Anyway, well, there's uh, so much. The, yeah, the poor old administrators, as you say, my heart my heart bleeds for them. What about the series, though? Uh, Obviously, England played played well. They were tested a couple of times with things like Mauler, more with the Duckworth Lewis than actually with the Sri Lankan bowlers. But then suddenly mm. there came a complete cropper in that last game, which must be, though it was a dead rubber, it must be a slight concern. Yeah, I, I, I've been thinking about it and trying to sort of assess its significance. Really, I think what it does show is that. Is England's bowling as good as they think it is? I mean, they've got some good spinners. They've got lots of options in, in the pace bowling department. But on their day, you know, they can be whacked. We've seen it. We saw it the other night, you know, conceding 366. We saw it in Scotland where they conceded 371. You could say that some of the bowlers were rusty. And the other thing as well, though, is that for some for some of those bowlers, it was a, a, a real chance to put themselves in the, in the shot window. You know, someone like, Tom Curran, for example, Sam Curran, perhaps less so because he's only just at the start of his one-day international career. Tom Curran's played a bit more. You know, someone like Tom Curran uh, got got whacked a bit. Plunkett coming back, Wood coming back. I mean, they're they're the sort of you know, they're close to being the bankers for the England World Cup campaign, aren't they? So, you know, someone like Liam Plunkett. You need players in reserve in case there are injuries. Every now and again, England have one of those woeful performances, which actually makes in a way makes it more interesting if they were such a strong side you know they're really strong really strong in all three disciplines you say oh the world cup no trouble at all but because they have those vulnerabilities in a way it makes the world cup more fascinating you know it's same with all the teams you know india are a very strong one day side as well but they came over last summer and they they lost to england the other night they tied with the West Indies they probably should have lost as well so you know there are good sides around but not great sides not great sides you know when that Australian side was dominating one day cricket winning all those World Cups you know, they were a great side but England clearly aren't there they're just a very good side but with flaws and I think that makes it interesting What's uh, would be a slight concern to me uh, to look at for the World Cup is England's tendency or occasional tendency anyway to, to suddenly get bowled out for virtually nothing because it happened at, at Lords against South Africa with Rabada getting those hatful of wickets and England were 20 for six it happened the other night in Colombo where they were what five for three or something four for three and, yeah four for three yeah. 28 for four 
and and but, but batsmen just don't like the ball moving, do they? I, I, I mean, we, they they are absolutely brilliant when the ball is straight as a as a plumb line and the, the, you know no movement at all. But as soon as it just offers to move, they look vulnerable. That that top order. I suppose the other evening when you're facing 366, there's that pressure to score from the start. If you do, if you just look, I mean, Jason Roy, I think was out to a straight one, wasn't he? I mean, that's you know that's a huge setback. It was a full ball, straight bowled and cleaned yeah, him up. Yeah, I, I tell you what though, I, I'd have to I'd slightly disagree with you. That's a that's a, a batsman's view saying, well, it's a, he's missed a straight ball. But actually, from a bowler's perspective, that just did enough. That that ball. He didn't play it well, admittedly, and it, you know it hit clean onto the off stump. It didn't just clip the off stump; it hit the off stump full on, and that's not good. But it just did offer away enough. But the thing is, what the point I'm making is that the ball did a bit, and England were five for three. And obviously, Root got out. You, you'd say him, you'd see him as the the person who could sort of steady the ship, if you like, and he got out as well. But. Uh, Butler again, you know he he got out early. Roy got out. Hales, who I suppose might not be in the the first choice eleven, just looked very vulnerable. So you you know if you were the play- team playing England, you'd want to try and get a couple of people who can swing the ball early on. Mm. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, if you can get the ball moving against any top order batsman, then you're in with a chance. And what I would say about that, of course, is that you know you play in England, you expect the ball to move, and you you know it's something you grow up with, so you you feel you should be equal to it. England the other evening, well, they were without two of their main top six batsmen, I suppose, Morgan and Johnny Bairstow. Bairstow with this foot injury sustained while he was playing football before the one of the candy one-day internationals. I think it's improving. I get the impression that it's improving. I saw him in the team hotel a couple of days ago and there didn't look to be much bandaging on the ankle and uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't obviously you know, really limping. Uh, a few days before that, he had one of those protective boots on and he had some crutches. They haven't caught up Ben folks yet. So uh, you know, the, the other test players are arriving uh, today in Sri Lanka, Thursday. So you'd think that probably they feel that Bairstow might well recover in time. Yeah. Uh, on, on the subject of Bairstow, uh, obviously this has been a, a talking point over the last few days. Should England play football before matches? I mean, it's something they've done now for probably about five years or so, maybe maybe longer. And you sense it is part of their routine. And I, I just thought I'd, I'd talk to someone who's been recently in the camp to get a, a, a lowdown, an inside view on the value of playing football. So I called up Sam Billings, who's just back in, in England after a couple of weeks' holiday. He's seized the opportunity to have a little break <laughs> after the season before a very busy winter. He's been uh, signed up by the Lions to play four-day cricket for, for England in Dubai against Pakistan shortly. So he's uh, grabbed the chance of a quick break. Uh, obviously not in this one-day side, unfortunately for him. But I did ask him what he felt about the idea of playing football and he was fairly positive about the importance of it. Obviously, um, the cynics would be saying that you're there to play cricket and that's, of course, that is the most important thing. But look, you can get, you can get injured walking down the stairs. Um, it gets you warm. Um, I think, yeah, it's just, it's just good fun as well. It gets the camaraderie up, for sure, amongst the lads. If you're finding 
if cricket, if, if you're struggling with a bit of form, there's something else to kind of take your attention off. And look, like I said, it, it should never kind of take away from cricket. But um, yeah, it, it certainly gets the lads kind of going um, and warmed up for sure. And it's more the mental kind of side of it, isn't it? It's, uh, people enjoy it. Um, it creates a great buzz amongst the group. And, and I, I think a lot of sport is about switching on and, and, um, mentally, certainly that does that um, that job better than any other kind of warm up you can do. Really, is there a bit of bragging rights? You know, when when someone gets a couple of goals or, or indeed misses a couple of goals in that game, it, it's a source of uh, amusement, stroke, bravado. I guess sometimes is it? Oh, big time! Oh, big time! You want to be the MVP? You want to be first pick next next game for sure? Uh, <laughs> definitely. At the end of the day, you've got. 15 or 16 competitive blokes so um so there is a yeah, sort of selection process is there oh you know, big time yeah big time so how, how does that work so you nominate two captains and then it's like being in the school playground almost is it <laughs> it is yeah it is for sure if you were england captain i'm going to put you on the spot here if you were england captain and it was the world cup would you still encourage football before a game it's kind of a bit of a mountain out of a molehill really um, look, if people are getting injured every single week, then there's an issue. But I, I think it's so rare, and um, you can do you, you can do it doing anything. So mm. yeah, it's part and parcel of it. Um, the lads enjoy it, and you're asking the wrong bloke if you want football banned. Unfortunately, I can totally see his point, actually, Sam Billings, because I think it's something that the players look forward to and and, and actually he, he mentioned there about the, the mental importance of of being switched on and so on i think it's it's important the football for a simple reason actually that it, it, in a way it, it actually detaches the players from the significance the uh, possible pressure that they might be thinking about or uh, getting ready to to deal with in the match itself, it's almost like a nice, relaxed build up before the enormity of performance. It's a good warm up. It's got a bit of competitiveness, so you know it's getting your juices flowing, if you like. But it also just makes you stop thinking about the the, the, the issues that you're going to be facing in half an hour's time. And I think it relaxes the mind. That's what the point I'm making, really. And I think that is important because you know mentally they're they're on show, they're under pressure for the whole of the time they're playing for England, and just. To, to to separate that out, to, it's almost like switching off just a bit. It's a bit like batsmen who have to concentrate on the ball as the bowler's running in, but then are very good. The best players are very good at just switching off for those few seconds in between balls. I think it's a switch off kind of um, philosophy playing football. It's that relaxed environment of playing a competitive game, getting warmed up, but without the, the pressure of actually having to perform. You're getting sort of mentally prepared without the pressure of doing something which is related to what you're about to do, I think, which I think is, is good for the mind. Mm. And the other point as well, for those people who haven't seen England do their warm-ups, and if you haven't been to the ground or got into the ground in time to see they're doing the warm-ups, they're not wearing, you know, they're not, they've not got big studs in their boots and they're not sort of, it's not two-footed tackles or anything like that. You know, it's not the Italian team of the 1970s going in two-footed and, it, you know, it's not... It, it's competitive, but it's not really aggressive. I mean, it, it is sort of... 
it's on non-contact football, really. But I, the problem with Best, I think he, he just got his foot caught in the ground and he, and he went over on his ankle. He, he wasn't hurt in a tackle. But I mean, I, I can see it. You know, you, you're away from home for months and months and months. And it, I think it, it is actually something they, they look forward to before each day's play. I, I mean, I don't, I don't have a, a massive issue with it. And, you know, I suppose inevitably you are going to get injuries from time to time. But then, as Sam Billing says, you know, you can get injured doing anything. It's, 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 it seems it's acceptable if you get injured playing cricket, but it's not acceptable if you're getting injured if you do anything else. But actually, you know, the, from the moment you get up in the morning to the moment you go to bed, you know, life is a potential hazard, isn't it? <laughs> and it's, you know, it's about hoping you... Yeah, but who was, it? was it Derek Pringle got injured writing a letter? Yeah, apparently he says that he stretched... As he was writing a letter, he had a little break from writing the letter and sort of extended his arms above his shoulders as a sort of little stretch, and that's when he ricked a, a muscle in his back. What about uh, Quinton de Kock, who got injured walking his dog, didn't he, late at night before a, a South Africa test match? They had to that's suddenly right. call up call up somebody else. So you, you're right, you, you, you can injure yourself in all sorts of ways. I, I, I don't have an issue with the football either, actually. And funnily enough, it gives the, the public who've come in early something to watch, and it's quite entertaining, I think. And there are some quite good players, and in a way... I know Paul Farbrace thinks that one or two of the players whose fielding wasn't that good or mobility wasn't that good, people like, say, Adel Rashid, actually the football has slightly improved their general mobility. So I think generally the benefits outweigh the, uh, the disadvantages. Yeah, interesting on Rashid because he, he, he definitely has improved his fielding. He, he used to be, I think, possibly you know number eleven. You know, if you were lining up for for picks in the field, you'd probably pick him last. But he, you know, he, he has improved. He did drop one catch in Candy where he, he didn't move particularly swiftly. I'm not even sure he touched it. But there was one, you know, for example, one piece of fielding the other evening down at third man when he he got round the boundary, picked it up, got the throw in, and kept it down to a single. I thought, you know, that is a that is a very different Rashid from the one we saw at the start of his international career. He's having a good year as well with the ball. Yeah, that, that, we should also, also say that. Yeah, yeah he's, he's forty-two wickets, yeah. one short, one short of uh, the England record for a spinner, isn't it? In a year. Also, as well, he's now the leading wicket taker in this England one-day side. Uh, Wokes and Plunkett are sort of vying for that at the moment. They're all they're all sort of close, but Rashid's gone ahead with one hundred and nineteen now. Mm. So, so one more quick thought on the, on the series. Then, um, anything else that we gained from it? Well, I think one thing, definitely, and that, that the form of Owen Morgan, that, that talk, that interview he gave at the start of the series saying, you know, I'm prepared to drop myself if my form or my captaincy uh, goes downhill. Well, out here he's been absolutely magnificent. Actually, it's a sort of perverse situation. By the end of the series, we were saying, why did you leave yourself out? You know, we had Joss Butler presided over the, the match the other evening. England were woeful. I think producing one of their most wretched one-day performances ever and I, I've seen a, quite a few poor performances. I, I think pro- probably the, the worst, the nadir uh, that, that springs to mind for me was that defeat in the World Cup to New Zealand when they were well, they should have been beaten by the dinner break. And that, that that was a pretty that was a low point. I think in a big game as well. But and the other evening was was not good. Um, you know, to the end of the series, you're saying, well, why did Morgan drop himself? Which is, I suppose, quite a good position for a captain to be in. Not why don't you drop yourself, but why did you drop yourself? Mm. Well, and he, he finished the series averaging 195, amazingly. I suppose that last match is a bit like uh, sort of squeezing a spot, really, lancing a boil. Get that 
terrible performance out of your system before the the really seriousness of of the World Cup is, is coming up. And, and also, England have, have improved on tour their chess performance, haven't they? Because I think uh, Butler and Moen have been playing chess. Well, the, the last count, I think they had seven matches. And do you know do you know the score? Can you guess the score? I rec- I'm, I'm going to guess six. One to Moen. Seven nil to Moen. He says Butler's improving. And actually, that is a, I, I remember from when I was when I were a lad, I remember playing my dad and he used to beat me time after time after time after time after time. Eventually, I started to beat him. And that's what, that, you know, that's what happens. You pick the brains of the other person and eventually you can overwhelm them. So beware Moen. Yes, beware Moen. And it's quite it's reassuring to hear that there's something that Butler's not absolutely brilliant at as well, actually. That's, that's a reassuring for all of us mere mortals. OK, well, listen, uh, thanks for the, the thoughts on the, the tour, etc. Uh, after the break, we're going to hear some more from Sam Billings. Welcome back. And in this half, we're going to hear a bit more from Sam Billings. I suppose he's been a bit unlucky. He's been on the periphery of the England side now for a couple of years. He's played a number of uh, one-day internationals and T20s without really establishing himself. I suppose he's not quite been sure of his position in the order. Sometimes he's opened the batting, sometimes he's batted at six. He's often had not much opportunity. He hasn't had much opportunity to keep wicked either. And in, in a funny sort of way, I, I think it was quite reassuring for him and, and, and good for him to go back to Kent for the last sort of two months of the season, where, of course, he was captain and play a consistent run of games. He's been someone who he's a bit of a push me, pull you character in the England setup. And sometimes he's been 12th man and, and t- chasing around the team without really getting much of a go. And so to play consistently for Kent for day cricket and some one day cricket for the best part of two months has been really good for him and I think he's found his feet again obviously he saw Kent to promotion from the second division as well so that was a, a great fillip for him and one of the things I, I talked to him about was his own career and where it was going and he, he said that he, he wanted to know that himself so he went and sought out the chairman of selectors. I had a um, drink with Ed Smith and and he kind of came down and um, sat me down. And the overwhelming thing that he came across saying was he just wants me to play cricket and, and to develop. Um, if I'm running drinks and, and on the sidelines uh, much more, then he, he really does think it will hinder my development. And I, I totally agree with that. So at the end of the day, I mean, he he wanted me to uh, be involved in in all of the line stuff uh, pre Christmas, and um, I, I'd already committed to the T10 in Dubai. So uh, Jason and I are actually playing for the same team in that. So we play the four day game, and then we get straight into a, a ten over competi- competition. So um, yeah, it's just it's great, obviously. Um, to to progress my four day batting, I, I I really want to uh, put my name in the in name in my my hat in the ring as such um, for four day cricket as well as one day cricket. And I suppose I, I suppose in a way before, it's, it's probably uh, it's probably almost easier getting into the England Test side as a batsman at the moment than it is getting to the one day side. <laughs> yeah, look, there's a lot of very good players around. Uh, I think uh, Joe's shown what uh, consistency over a couple of years. Um, can do and and then actually his kind Joe, of Joe Denley you mean Joe Denley yeah um, sorry yeah I think he's a great example of uh, a bit of consistency over a couple of years and all of a sudden um, you kind of get thrust into an international environment again so 
Uh, it's never as far away as you think it is, I think. Um, it's just ultimately about putting performances in um, over and over again, and that's what he's done. And um, Look, there are, there are options, there's slots opening up, but uh, for me, I think they're a bit too far up the order uh, at, at the moment. Um, Rubbish! I totally disagree <laughs> with you. you. If you can bat, if you can bat well, you can bat anywhere. So, so tell us what what uh, what Joe's done to to sort of improve his credentials over the last couple of years. Look, he's just enjoyed his cricket. Um, he's admitted that along the way. Um, huge respect for him going off to Middlesex, trying to further his England ambitions, and and of course you'd never stand in in someone's way to. Um, try and do that for sure um, and I, I totally respect that it didn't quite work out and he's, he's come back to Kent and um, kept, come back home essentially and um, he's just enjoying his cricket and I think it's more an acceptance that if England comes knocking it comes knocking but if it doesn't it's not the end of the world um, I think a lot of the time in, in professional sport um, you're constantly striving to get better you're constantly striving for the next level you're constantly striving um, and actually, um, the more you're trying, the kind of worse it gets at some point. So um, I think certainly from his point of view, he's a senior player in this side, um, vice captain, and, and just he's enjoyed it, enjoyed his cricket, and he's playing the way Joe Denley wants to play. And I think that's very important for any player, I think, um, not to kind of try and fit in a box that, people what you think people want you to play like and, and I think for him he's he's just playing his way and uh, you see how much I mean it's seriously enjoyable to watch from as a teammate but um, you can just see he's he's enjoying his cricket and it's that's the most important thing just looking ahead a bit your your own winter so you said that you're playing for the Lions in a four-day series or whatever, and then suddenly you're playing ten-over cricket, and then yeah. a, a, and then after that, a series of twenty-over tournaments. So, what is your winter like? I mean, give us a sort of little lowdown of your itinerary. Oh, I would love to know what it's like um, set in stone. I, I think that's the thing at the moment. There's so many options. There's so many different competitions now that. Uh, you have to be really careful about what you kind of select and, and look at your workload um, going into a kind of full uh, full summer of county cricket. I mean, look, who knows that if I uh, if I start to really put some performances in, not only for the Lions but uh, in the other competitions around the world, because essentially those franchise tournaments are as close as um, close to kind of international cricket as you're going to be. So. Um, look, if I go into the IPL and, and hopefully go back um, and, and do well, then it puts you even more so into the frame again for a World Cup squad. So, um, mm. yeah, look, for, for the guys especially not directly involved in, in the ODIs at the moment, I think it's a great opportunity. Um, you look at how Joss did in the IPL last year and, and then all of a sudden gets picked for a test match. Um, there's obviously a huge amount of credit um, put on these, especially IPL, but put on these franchise tournaments. So, um, yeah, look, as a as a player, um, it, it's great experience experiencing different change rooms, um, different cultures, and, and different competitions. So there there is definitely a, 
um, difference in style of cricket across the world. So um, it's only going to make you a more rounded player and, and improve you. There's no doubt about that. It's interesting listening to Sam Billings, actually. He's a very thoughtful cricketer, very intelligent cricketer. He's deeped in the, in sport generally, actually. He was educated at Haleybury School and he was brilliant there at, at things like rackets and tennis and, and football as well as, obviously, at cricket. Uh, he's one of those people who can bat practically just as well left-handed as he can right-handed. In fact, he was lucky to be brought up in a on a farm where, where his parents lived in Kent and they had quite a big barn and they kind of created a sort of indoor cricket area out of that and that's where he learned a lot of those skills. But I think that what he's been seeking is what is the real base of his game. He's been so pushed around the, the batting order for England and so many different roles that I suppose it, you, you almost lose what is your raw material, what is your bread and butter. So actually playing for Kent for a little bit, he's found his batting rhythm again, as he said, and, and that's been important for his development. I was really interested in what you said about players constantly striving for the next level. You can understand it as well, can't you? A county player, or if you're a second level player, you're desperate to get in the first team. If you're in the first team, you're desperate to get up the order or open the open the bowling. If you're a sort of second change bowler, you know, and then and then if you do get up the order, you're desperate to play for England. If then when you get through, get to play for England, if you're lucky enough to be picked to play for England, you want to get in the side. Then you want to establish yourself in the side, and then you want to be one of the greats. And then when you won the greats, you want to maintain your position as one of the greats. You're all striving for the next level level and he says that you know the more you're trying the worse it can get sometimes you, you can understand that you know I must succeed I must succeed uh, he was using the example obviously of, of Joe Denley almost as if suggesting that you know Denley's sort of just relaxed into playing his cricket do what he does best and then as we've seen the results have come and he, you know he's picked for England at the age of 32 an opportunity right you know, towards the end of his career to actually make something of, a, of an international career. Mm. I mean, success is is it, it's a it's almost a, a burden, isn't it? Because if you get success, you then want more of it, and you don't necessarily know how to find it. But then you get very disappointed when the, the success doesn't come every time. I, I, funnily enough, thinking of that, I, I bumped into uh, a great figure of, of English cricket, of course, the other day, uh, Freddie Flintoff, in a, in a bar in London, just been announced as the the new presenter of Top Gear. And you know the reason why I mentioned him is because he had that incredible height of the 2005 Ashes, where he was the absolute star, and uh, you know on every TV program and in front of every newspaper, and he he was the legend. And of course, he won BBC Sports Personality of the Year quite uh, justifiably. But then he had a, a real kind of dip after that, and suffered from you know depression, disappointment, whatever you call it. But he was definitely down and down in the dumps and finding life very difficult it's good to see that he's now recovered and almost re- well t- totally reinvented himself but for a cricketer still caught up in the the, the, the ebb and flow and the, you know life's vicissitudes it is hard to deal with uh, getting some success and then not being quite sure how to exceed that or uh, attain more success and as billing said you can end up trying too hard yeah, and what about you? What, what, what was that like in your career, where you 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 know you you, you did have some success? You're playing in a very good side. You presumably you're, you're thinking, oh, could I just you know get and play, be, be selected for England? You know, you're always yeah. you always want to take that next step. And pra- I don't know. That's right. Well, some I, players, I, it does it does play with you. You know, it does play with your mind. Yeah, I, I equate it with uh, with Jimmy Anderson actually, who we've had on this before, saying 
that uh, one of his problems in his sort of early years was he he kept expecting after a good performance or two that there would be a bad performance round the corner that it, everything gets evened up you know and if you toss a coin twice and you get heads it's going to come down tails the third time well actually there is no uh, probability of that in in mathematics it's just as likely to be ahead the next time and in a way if you're a good cricketer you should be able to think yes I can play well every time and Anderson sort of realised that over time that he could still have a, a role he could still play an important part even if the ball wasn't swinging round corners I felt in, in my career that you know there was going to be a bad performance coming round the corner because I felt I had a lot of luck in getting the success and I didn't really believe in myself enough I think this is one of the things that really annoyed Mike Brearley. I wasn't ruthless enough. I wasn't clinical enough. Uh, And it it was almost, you were sort of expecting to fail after having some success. And that is a bad approach to have. And the, the, the most successful sportsmen are people who can can actually focus on being successful every time, but don't get too affected by failure if it doesn't go right. Someone perhaps like Virat Kohli, who, I mean, it's, it's just remarkable, <clears throat> isn't it? That how, just churning them out. Another couple of hundreds in the one-day series against uh, Weston. It's 37 one-day hundreds. I, I mean, I, this is something I've mentioned before, you know, to go past Sachin Tendulkar's record for one-day hundreds, uh, you know, to reach 50. That's another 13 one-day hundreds. You think, oh, you'll do it, no trouble at all. 13, no problem at all for Cody. But 13 one-day hundreds is a really good career for someone else. You know, if you if you score 13 one-day hundreds for England, you've had a pretty decent career. And we just talk about Cody Old, just, yeah, you'll just knock off another 13. I mean, he, it is incredible the way he's, he is mm. just he's so so relentless, especially in, in and, one. And day the cricket. hunger, the, the hunger, the desire, the insatiability. It, it's a rare person, isn't it, who who has that single mindedness and mm. and total sort of ruthlessness and 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 this this appetite to keep going. I mean, you 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 don't meet many people who have it. Obviously, Alistair Cook had it. You know, people like Jeffrey Boycott, Graham Gooch, uh, the, the great batsmen have had that aptitude where they almost erase failure from any kind of DNA. There's no prospect. And actually, the other thing is they hate watching anyone else do well, don't they? They'd rather be out there doing it themselves. And they think, well, I don't want to be watching somebody else. I might as well be out there doing it. Yeah. Another interesting thing that Sam Billings is talking about as well, that it is worth just touching on, is is how much opportunity to play cricket there is now for a player who's not, you know, who's a decent player, who's sort of almost like a fringe England player, who's not in the England squads you know, on a regular basis. There's, there's so much cricket going on in the rest of the year, you know, outside the English domestic season. You were talking there about you know, playing in the Afghan Premier League, and uh, he, well, he couldn't because he had a niggle near you know, the Lions, T10, uh, you know, draft for the Dubai T20, Bangladesh Premier League possibly, Lions after Christmas to India, Kent pre-season. I mean, there is just so many opportunities, possibly yeah. even to make, you know, yeah. make quite a bit of money as well. Well, absolutely. I mean, Joe Root, of course, is playing in the Big Bash. You, you didn't mention that. So uh, there is, in fact, I, I looked at the calendar the other day and I think only the month of June hasn't got a T20 tournament in some part of the world. So it really is a 24-7, 12 months of the year career and and you can make a lot of money and actually it, it must be tempting to play all these tournaments especially if you're if you're a very good versatile cricketer like Sam Billings but you, you're just going to burn out if you do so you have got to pick and choose 
Yeah, what about Root playing in the Big Bash? I, I mean, I, I'm a bit concerned about that. I mean, he's, he's had a bit right. of a, a mm. back problem. He know, well, he knows his own body, obviously, and you know, he knows what he wants to do, and wants to achieve. He wa- I'm sure he wants to play for England in the World T20, which is in Australia in 2020. But you know, he's, he's had a, a really big summer, you know, demanding summer. He's part of the One Day side, the Test side. He got two months tour out here. You'd think, wouldn't you? You'd think it'll break between Sri Lanka and West Indies would be a good thing, especially with a huge summer coming up, you know, mm. with the World Cup and and the Ashes. But well, you know, it's, it's his choice, I suppose. But it does seem a bit odd. I, I guess he's he's planned it out. You know, you are a professional cricketer. You want to extend yourself. Obviously, you want to to earn as much as you can as well while you're still fit and and, and flourishing. Uh, you can't blame him for that. And I think that he wants to develop his his T Twenty game. And uh, it's you know, T Twenty is the future, isn't it? Uh, and that's probably the, the the weakest area of his game. I suppose the other weak area would be the uh, the fact that he hasn't converted enough good starts into big scores in Test cricket. And with that in mind, actually, by the way, I see Coley, he scored 14 one-day hundreds in the last two years, which is more than any England player has scored in their career in one-day internationals. Joe Root has 13 one-day hundreds, so his one-day performances are pretty good, Joe Root, but his T20s haven't been as effective. So I can sort of see why he, as an ambitious guy, wants to try and improve that. The other thing, of course, as well, is you get to spend... December, January in Australia, which is infinitely <laughs> Rather preferable. Rather Sheffield. Well, infinitely preferable to spending in the UK, the, the, the cold and the dark and the, the, the miserable long nights of, of winter approaching. Um, you can so go on, you've still why. got... You, you, you're, you're managing to extend your uh, shorts, wearing shorts time into, into October this year, aren't you? It, it's coming to an end. I, I worked out, actually, that I've uh, just about a year, close on a year... And only six weeks of winter, but this winter is going to is going to hit home. I'm home for a, a, about three months of winter, and I'm not looking forward to it. So actually, I just reversed that. I can totally understand why Joe Root's going to play T20 in, <laughs> in Sydney. Well, look, don't worry. Um, you you can come you can come and see me, and I'll keep you warm. All right, don't take that the wrong way. Um, Good to talk to you. Um, we'll speak to you in ten days or so's time after England's final match of the one day series here it's a t20 game next week and we'll be looking ahead then to england's test matches against sri lanka thanks for listening in the meantime and don't get too cold wrap up all sports social podcast network Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.